Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. G'day again, Salt. I'll put these uh, tissues away. <laughs> we won't cry just yet. Uh, plenty of excitement, plenty of emotion today as we uh, send Village off. Uh, Focus with me now as we think about God's Word in the book of Acts. Now here at Salt, uh, we're often talking about the big picture plans, the, the, our big vision to see more disciples uh, across the Illawarra and beyond. Uh, that's our prayer, that's our vision, that's part of what gets us excited. I, I spoke about this at Grow on Friday. Uh, the kind of church we want to be, a church that welcomes new people, that sees new people come to know the Lord Jesus uh, as we see more people become disciples of Jesus. And it's just been wonderful, hasn't it, to uh, hear God speak to us in the book of Acts, because that's what the book of Acts is all about. Uh, God is powerful to do this great work, uh, to answer our prayer, to see more people uh, become disciples of Jesus. Uh, we've seen it in the book of Acts. Uh, if you've been with us, the gospel truly is unstoppable. Uh, here in, in Acts, we've seen the Word of God grow. It's powerful by God's Spirit to change people. Uh, we've seen the birth of God's precious church, the start of the journey that we're all on as we follow Jesus and gather as his people, uh, the start of the journey that village is on. And in the power of the Spirit, here in Acts, we've seen people repent do that radical thing of saying, Jesus is the Lord. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to trust him for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to gather with God's people. You know, there's something that's about to happen in the chapters ahead. It starts today that will bring all of that unstuck. See, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. We live in a dark world. And that's the world in which the apostles did their ministry. It's the world that Jesus stepped into. It's the apostles' world. It's our world. And it's Luke's world too. As a genuine historian, he's not sugarcoating the story. And so what we're going to see over the next three weeks is threats to the gospel. Obstacles that Satan uses to hinder the gospel. And as we explore them, you'll notice they're not unique to the book of Acts. In fact, you'll see them, unfortunately, in our world today. And in our passage today, the threat we're looking at is corruption within the church. This is a confronting passage. There's some really encouraging elements to, to this passage today, but there's a confronting edge to it. Uh, did you notice the last line of the passage we, that was read out for us? Great fear seized the whole church. And all who heard about these events, I think we're meant to stand up and listen. Something's gone on that causes people to have great fear. Now, come with me to chapter 4, verse 32. You'll see the, the church community began beautifully. It was a wonderful church community. In fact, I don't think it gets any better than this. Uh, have a look at it with me. Verse 32, chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, 
but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, in them all that there was no needy person among them. Do you get that? Don't let that wash over you. Think into this. One in heart and mind, sharing everything, powerfully testifying to the resurrection of Jesus, no needy person in their midst. That is a beautifully transformed people, is it not? Here's a, people, a group of people filled with the Spirit, uh, showing extraordinary generosity. Here is a group of people who love God and it's freed them from the love of possessions. There's a connection there. Here's a group of people who've, who've experienced the enormous generosity of God and therefore are able to be enormously generous themselves. John Piper puts it this way, when you become united to Jesus by faith, you become united to his people by love. That's the character of, of the Christian gathering of God's church. Now, as you, as you hear those words, as you think about that community, does that sound like a community that you'd like to be part of? And surely, absolutely it is. This is a unique, Jesus-shaped community. Remember Jesus said, uh, by your love for one another, people will know me. People will see the Lord Jesus in this beautiful community. You know, I remember the first time I experienced Christian community. It really did blow me away. It was really attractive. It really stuck with me and I thought, I want to be part of this. This group of people are different. And that's our hope and prayer for village. That's what we want salt to be. Uh, And if we're going to be like that, we're going to need to ask God to keep doing his work by his spirit on our hearts and minds to transform us. We're going to need to keep asking God, please remove from me my old self, my self-centred ways, that I might generously pour out my life for my brothers and sisters and for the gospel. Help me to be selflessly generous. And we're going to need to keep praying that God would keep uniting us as one body, united in heart and mind. Think about it for a moment. As you think about salt, as you think about village, what would you like someone to say as they come into our community? As they walk away, what would you like them to say? Well, here's what I'd like them to say. You know what stands out at salt? Everyone at salt is one in heart and mind. There's real unity at salt. You know, at Salt, it's amazing. It is really different. They don't treat their possessions as their own. They share. There are no needy people at Salt. People are cared for. And people at Salt speak powerfully about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I'm I'm under no illusion that's not going to be easy to pull off. That is a great work of God's Spirit among us that if that happens... And it's going to involve us struggling and striving to be godly and generous and praying. We won't always get it right. God is still at work in each and every one of us. But you know, 
there's a lot we don't understand about God. We don't get about God if that's not the shape of our community. We don't get that God is unified. God is one. We don't get that Jesus is the very centre of everything. And we don't get that God is enormously generous. And those things must shape the people that we are, must shape the character of our gathering. So let's keep asking God, let's keep trusting him and, and reaching out in faith to one another and, in, and calling on God to change us, that we might be this truly gospel-centred, spirit-filled, generous community. Have a look at it. There's a wonderful example of Joseph from Cyprus in verse 36. Look at it with me. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. There's, there's a great name for you if you're having a, a, a baby, a son, call him Barnabas. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Incredible generosity, a radical thing to do. Sacrificial. And you think to yourself when you read that, who does that? Who would sell a property and give it, give that money away? Well, the answer is the person who follows Jesus, the person who's part of his gathering, the person that has been filled with his spirit. Uh, Paul talks about this principle in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, As we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And Paul also goes on to speak about being generous uh, so that the gospel might go out to other people. Uh, New Testament churches who had more gave to churches that had less. Uh, The New Testament churches supported the work of the apostles to see that gospel go out to the ends of the earth. Uh, It's how every church starts. It's how Salt Church started. Uh, It's how we do everything we do at Salt. It relies on the enormous generosity of God and it relies on us being impacted by that generosity from God that we might be generous towards one another and we might be generous towards the gospel reaching new people. So it's the case for Village Church too, isn't it? Village Church would not have got to where it is now without extraordinary generosity from brothers and sisters. I said this on Friday night at Grow, salt won't grow unless we have extraordinary generosity. And here's the thing, uh, we live, live we've got to realise this, we live in a very unique part of the world. We live in a very wealthy part of the world. Uh, God has blessed us with a lot. Uh, we live in a, in a part of the world that's been very, still very shaped by Christianity where governments uh, still think that it's a good thing and most of us think that it's a good thing to care for the poor and the vulnerable, where our social security is amazing. We take all of these things for granted. But let me tell you what that means. It means as a church, we don't carry the burden of the poor within our church or even without, outside of our church and our community anywhere near as much as churches in other parts of the world do, where they're carrying an enormous burden. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't give to the poor. There are needy brothers and sisters within our own church. There are needy people within the city of Wollongong. But it does mean 
we of all people have more money to give to the work of the gospel reaching new people. Uh, Plenty of my friends who don't know Jesus yet are quite happy to give to the work of the poor, but I don't expect them to give to the work of the gospel going out to new people. That is a responsibility for us. So here it is, a beautiful community, generous, united, testifying to the Lord Jesus. But as beautiful as it is, it's not all good. It's not all good. Look into chapter 5, corruption appears. We're introduced to a husband and wife team, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, They're part of this beautiful, caring church community. They've seen the generosity of Barnabas. They've seen how much that's been appreciated and, 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 and perhaps how much he's been esteemed. And they decide to sell their property as well. Uh, They too lay their property, the the, the money, at the apostles' feet. But within a few hours, they are lying at the apostles' feet dead. It's an extraordinary event. They've they've clearly experienced the the severe judgment of God. Now people often comment that the the judgment of God is, is severe in the Old Testament. But we see it just as severe here in the book of Acts. God is still a holy God. God is still wanting his people to be holy. And you might ask yourself, what what was the sin that Ananias and Sapphira committed that so provoked a a severe judgment from God? There are a number of options, aren't there? Um, Is it greed? Is it greediness? Well, I want to say that greed was part of it. Uh, they certainly couldn't let go. They wanted to hold on to some of their wealth for themselves. Um, the Bible tells us greed is idolatry. Uh, it, will, it will focus you. It will, it, will, it will grab you. It will make it impossible for you to love God. Uh, Jesus said that. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, you must make a choice. And it seems that Ananias and Sapphira fell for that. They chose money. But there's actually more to it than that, isn't there? Peter says in verse 4, it's very clear, they're not under any obligation to give all of the amount. See, verse 4, he says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? There was no compulsion to sell their property. There was no compulsion to give the whole amount uh, to the church. And that's, that's the very nature of Christian giving, isn't it? It's voluntary. Uh, generously, freely, God has graciously poured out his generosity on us. And so that's the nature of our giving. Free, generous and voluntary. Uh, The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, each of you should give what you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, because that's who God is. So I think greed is part of it, but it actually runs, it runs deeper than that. They're actually deceitful, aren't they? Um, they've brought part of the money, but they've pretended to bring the whole of the money. There's, there's deceit there. They've actually lied to the church. They've lied to the apostles most significantly. Verse 2, notice Luke tells us they lied to the Spirit of God. They've lied to God himself. And I take it, caught up in this is also a spiritual pride. Uh, they wanted to appear godly, appear generous. 
maybe he appears generous as Barnabas, which actually makes it a hypocrisy. See, there's, there's an outward show of godliness that they're trying to portray to other people. But they're actually hiding corruption. They're actually hiding greediness within. And notice too, it is completely premeditated. Um, even when the, each of them is given an opportunity to come clean, they maintain their lies and they cover up. And I want you to see this, is a, this really is a deadly combination. This is a deadly evil uh, um, amongst the people of God. Like a cancer that will eat into the very fabric of that generous Christian gathering of unity. See, what does is, what is our unity stand on? It stands that we are all equal footing before the Lord Jesus. That we are all sinners. That we've all come clean. That I've said, I am a sinner. I need to be forgiven. See, to enter the people of God and to make that confession before God and then enter and, and falsely uh, make a statement, to fake generosity, to fake humility, to fake sincerity, all so that you might have the esteem and the acclaim of others is completely against the gospel, isn't it? It's completely against everything that God stands for. It makes a mockery of God's generosity and God's gospel. And at the end of the day, no one is deceived. There will come a day when all of our sins are brought before our Heavenly Father. Uh, The day of judgment, where God sees all and will bring every sin to account. And so I want to encourage you as we think about how to apply this to ourselves. Here's something. Deal with sin openly and deal with it urgently. Don't, don't be a hypocrite. Don't play the hypocrisy game with God. It's really foolish. But don't even play it with other people. Uh, don't pretend, don't cover up sin. Now, I'm not saying that you need to share every sin with every single person. But here's the thing. You do need to bring it to God. You cannot hide it from God. You need to bring it. You need to confess it. And can I say too, it, it is really helpful that we confess wisely our sins towards one another. Someone that you trust, someone that you know that will love and care for you, it would be good to share it with them as well. And embrace God's forgiveness. Um, understand that God has died for your sins that you might be forgiven. And can I say, you, you know, when you treat sin this way, it will have a very powerful effect. It'll not only be really good for you, it will be good for the whole church. Because as we do that, God will be transforming us by his spirit to be new people. We will all benefit from you, a different person. And here's my last point. It will mean that also people who don't know Jesus will benefit. I don't know whether you noticed, at the end of, uh, there's a mention throughout this passage and right at the end, uh, fear seizes the community. Uh, It makes people stand up and listen. I take it, here is the kind of fear we're talking about, is a reverence for God. It's the kind of, wow, God is serious, God is holy, 
God is serious about sin, that kind of fear. And as a result, as we read on in Acts, people are, are respecting this community, people are joining this community. It was a powerful moment in the life of the church, it was a powerful moment in the life of the community. Now, praise God that that's not what happens today. Uh, Praise God that in his kindness and mercy, he's holding off the judgment to that final day. We live in this, this time of grace and mercy where God is, is putting off his judgment. It's one of the reasons why we're so shocked at this passage. But God's judgment will come and it is still very powerful to change people. It's very powerful when they see you living for the judgment to come. When they see you and, and your life and your priorities, trusting in the Lord Jesus for, your forg- for the forgiveness of your sins, knowing that a judgment is to come, knowing that the most important news is that people trust Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. When you actually point people there, knowing that the judgment is coming, that is powerful, that is transforming, that is... That makes people listen. Well, here it is. Gospel, unstoppable, church growing in number, a beautiful community, united, filled, filled by the Spirit. A church at this point of thousands, a church that goes on to plant other churches in Acts and uh, in the New Testament, a church that keeps going through the centuries, It's Salt Church, it's Village Church, it's the very church that we want to be that's described here in chapter 4. But there are threats to the gospel. There are obstacles, there are things that Satan will use, corruption, greed, deceit, pride, hypocrisy. But here's where it finishes. Notice in the book of Acts, as we keep going, despite all the threats, it is true that this gospel of Jesus is unstoppable. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 14, have a quick look there. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed. Uh, On to verse 42 of chapter 5, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And then over chapter 6, verse 7, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. It is an unstoppable work of God, despite the obstacles. And so I want to encourage you as we, as we finish this morning. Uh, will you commit yourself to this unstoppable gospel? Or will you be part of the venture of seeing more people become disciples of Jesus, more churches being planted? Uh, will you commit yourself to that? Will you pray for that? Uh, will you give generously towards that work? Will you give generously towards God's people? Uh, Will you deal with sin urgently and openly that we might be a transformed people? And will you keep boldly standing for Jesus? Let's pray to that end. Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you that by your power and by your spirit, your gospel is unstoppable. Uh, This gospel, the Lord Jesus, his death, his resurrection has power to change lives, to form a new community, united, filled with the Spirit, generous. 
boldly testifying to the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you by your grace that we are part of this community. Uh, Father, please help us to confess our sins. Help us to keep being generous to your people, your precious church. Father, thank you for the generosity you've poured out to us in Jesus. Help us to be generous people. Thank you for this part of the world that you've placed us. Uh, So many gifts, so many opportunities. Help us to be generous towards the gospel going out. And Father, we commit again to you uh, the work we're doing here at Salt. Lord, help us to be faithful in making more disciples. We pray again for Village as they head out in this new venture. Father, you might bless and grow them as more disciples are made there too. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.